Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thora. Holy crap, it's here. This has taken me seven months of my life to complete, and I am super pleased how it turned out. What is Miguel talking about? It's my new book, Expat Secrets. You're going to be able to find it on Amazon right now. Let me just give you the full name of the book because I think it says a lot, okay? Expat Secrets, How to Make Giant Piles of Money, Live Overseas, and Pay Zero Taxes. Boom. I really like that. Basically, the book breaks down everything you need to know for leading an international life. This is timely information and modern, and it's a fun read. You can buy your copy right now by going to Amazon and searching Expat Secrets. This will really help support the show to grow. And if you want to be an awesome human being, what I want you to do is leave the book an honest review on Amazon. It actually makes a huge difference to new authors like me. Seriously, I mean this. Please get a copy of the book and please leave the book a review. It's just good karma. Okay, enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe. This is the Expat Money Show. And today's guest is the founder of Virtual Miss Friday an online business consultancy and academy with built-in virtual assistant services. She is the creator of One in Sourcing, a service that specializes in serving six- and seven-figure business owners. She has grown a successful location-independent online service and digital product business, all while traveling and living abroad full-time. Please welcome to the show, Michelle Dale. Michelle, how are you doing? Mikkel, I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me on this awesome show. I'm really excited about it. Well, we're really excited to have you here. Michelle, why don't you take a couple minutes and kind of tell us a little bit about your backstory? Sure. Well, it goes back to 2005. I'll, I'll take you back that far. And I was working a job one hour in the morning, one hour back commute in the evening, um, had a huge mortgage, loads of bills. I just wasn't feeling very satisfied with my life at that time. You know, I had um, what was supposed to make everyone happy and I didn't feel like I was really feeling fulfilled and I was very stressed all the time. So I just decided one day, um, I actually came home and my house had been completely robbed. The door was off the hinges, everything inside was gone. And I was, as I was walking through my house, sort of like looking at the aftermath, I found my passport. And I basically took that as a sign that I needed to change my life. So literally the next day, I walked into my job and I handed in my notice. I went down to the estate agent, I put my house on the market and I went into the travel agent and I booked 
a ticket, a one-way ticket to Egypt for exactly three months later. And I remember it very well because it was the day before my 24th birthday and I was able to get to Egypt. And that's basically where I decided I never wanted to go back to the UK. I wanted to continue to travel. That's when I started my online business. Wow, that's incredible. So you walked into the house. The place had been burglared. Like that must have been terrifying. Yeah, it was. I mean, I came home, some of the furniture was in, on my front lawn still, like a couple of pieces. But yeah, everything, everything had essentially been gone. So it was a little bit scary for me. But it was also in one part, once you sort of realize what's happened, it was something in disguise, really, to to have had that kind of like experience happen to me because so many people never take the leap because, you know, life is too comfortable. And at that moment, I kind of like, you know, like it, that the people who took all my belongings did me a favor because I, I could literally just get up and go, which I did. Well, good for you, because I think a lot of people would have something traumatic like that happen in their lives and it would get them down for months, if not years or even decades. But what did you do? You picked up your passport, you listed your house, you quit your job and you propelled yourself forwards. You moved yourself forwards and started traveling and I think that's just so brilliant. I think that's really, really amazing. Yeah, it was literally 20, like the, the whole entire thing happened within 24 hours. Because once you want, I'm one of these people that once I get something in my head, I don't want to give myself the opportunity to talk myself out of it, particularly if it's inspired action, you know, because I think inspired action is all about timing, whether it be in your personal life or your business. And if I feel that intuitive pull that I have to do something, then then I tend to do it immediately. Oh, that's great. So where are you today? This was back when you were in your, you were 24, I think you said? Yeah. So, so basically I arrived in Egypt on the day before my 24th birthday. I spent two and a half years here and then I left Egypt and I've literally come full circle. This is 12 years later. I've literally come full circle and I've actually come back to live in Egypt again. And I've actually got married and had three kids throughout this whole time while I've been traveling. And I've come back because I just, I love it here so much. It's, I consider this my home. And um, yeah, so, so I'm back in Egypt. I'm on the Red Sea in Haggadah. Oh, sounds beautiful. So where are some of those other places that really stood out for you? Where did you spend those 12 years? Yeah, it's really interesting. A lot of the time was spent in Europe. So basically I did two and a half years here in Egypt then about two and a half years in France, then about two years in Spain. And then I did about a year in Italy and then four or five years in Greece. And yeah, now I'm back here. So roughly, <laughs> those are the rough times. But it was pretty much a, a tour of all of Southern Europe. <laughs> and well, hanging out there for a while. If there's a place to do it, then that's the one for sure. So good for you. <laughs> Thank you. So what are you focused on now with your business, with your life? My focus really at the moment is because um, I've been working with clients for so long and servicing them and because I specialize now in six and seven figure businesses, it's I wanted to be able to give an opportunity to people who don't necessarily have that established business to still be able to, to make money online. So through my experience of servicing businesses, of helping people generate six figures through digital product sales, I'm actually now creating a program for clients who basically can't move forward with services or want lower cost VAs um, to create digital product businesses. So it's basically my strategy 
my operations management experience, my knowledge of online systems, and also how to make money through digital product businesses. So I've put all that into a program. And that's kind of what my main focus is right now. It's just to try and help people to be able to start developing online businesses, online product businesses. Because I've been teaching the service side of things for a long time, since 2011. So I've been teaching people how to provide services online. But but now I'm, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to teach people how to create the digital product businesses online as well. So you're talking about like training courses and types of programs where you're doing information marketing. Is that right? Yeah, it's pretty much um, digital information products. The whole process of coming up with the idea of then creating the business from that, setting it all up and then going to market and actually marketing the the digital information products at the end, um, which is kind of where my passion really is at the moment. Well, I think it really is a fantastic way to learn because I think the traditional school models where you just go to a university and you're studying a dozen different things from teachers who never did business themselves, you know, who are academics and studied about it and read about it, opposed to the method that you're speaking about, which is really learning from an expert who's actually done something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me anyway, I mean, I I built my business from the ground up. I I didn't know anything about working online when I started and I put a lot of hours in. And I think when, when you learn from a place of I'm doing it because I want to do it, because I love it, as opposed to I'm doing it from a place of this is how I'm going to make money, you, you take a very different approach. I put a lot of hours in. I did a lot of trial and error. So so I've learned from the ground up how to do this stuff, you know, in the moment when you make, you know, like your first six figures and, and things like that, it, they're, they're real defining moments of joy and happiness that you just feel compelled to share with other people. And because I was able to replicate this for clients as well, so I was able to, you know, like take these clients on board and work with them and their businesses and do that, then for me, it, the, the experience is way more valuable than the theory and I did a lot of learning from experience and trialing and testing and, and working with different businesses and different entrepreneurs. And for me as well, you know, like we're talking about sort of formal education. I left school at 16 and I left home at 16. So I don't actually have any kind of higher education or formal education or anything like that. I went straight into the world of work. And I think that also gives me a little bit of a different perspective on formal education as well, because I never actually needed it in order to be successful. Well, that's really interesting because me and you are in the same boat. I started failing out at 12 and at 15, I was out the door and I never went back. And now I've lived overseas and traveled and really created the life that I wanted. So it's it's really exciting for me to speak to someone else who's done something so similar. And, and it really is an amazing life when you're not worried about these social constraints and, and what you should do. And you need to go to school and you need to go to get a university and then you need to go get a job. If I don't want to do that, there are alternatives out there. Absolutely. But you're never told that at school. Like when you go to your careers officer and if you say, I'm going to leave school and you're 16 years old, they're going to say, well, you're throwing your life down the toilet. (laughs) And that couldn't be further from the truth. Not in every case, of course, you know, and and formal education has its place. If, If it wasn't for formal education, we wouldn't have doctors and we wouldn't have nurses and lawyers and things like that. But I don't think it should be sold to teenagers in particular as the be all and end all. Like, you know, like your life is over if you don't do it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to be an entrepreneur, if entrepreneurship is something that speaks to you, going to university, I would argue, it's just the wrong avenue. You know, you really need to be learning from people who have actually done it. And, you know, mentoring, being a mentee underneath these types of people. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned that you're now building courses to teach people how to do this. What are some of those tips or tricks or actionable steps that my listeners could implement in their own businesses if they did want to go down the digital education route? Okay, well, I would definitely say that, that having a sort of big picture overview to start with is is always the best approach. And if you can kind of get a mentor or get somebody who's done what you want to do and then just try and learn from them and follow them it's it's a really really good um it's a really really good way to start i had a mentor when i started out yarrow starrick from entrepreneur's journey and i would go and i would immerse myself in his blogs i would read what he was doing i would check out his programs and things like that and i kind of just immersed myself into looking for people that I could replicate in my own way, in my own style. So, so that's, that's a really good first tip. But in terms of more practical, you know, getting started and developing a business online, I built this model called one sourcing because I'm a big picture thinker and I focus on operations as well. So basically, if you can get your systems in place, if you can get your strategy in place and you can get your support team in place, those are the three real key factors to developing an online business plus obviously getting your mentor as well. Perfect. And to try to bring things a little bit full circle with the location independent, you work a lot with the virtual assistant and you do a lot of things virtually. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So when I actually started my business, I started off just as a virtual assistant. So I was offering some basic uh, administrative skills online. This was back in the day before social media like Facebook didn't exist back then when when you were building websites you know it was basically done on Microsoft front page or something like that and so it was it was much more difficult back then to kind of like pull this stuff together but for me it was starting out as a VA offering admin skills and then as times changed and the internet evolved I would just kind of introduce new skills things that I enjoyed doing I started looking at graphic design I started going into web development and then social media came out I remember I remember the day that Twitter came out and I and I was like oh my god this is gonna like revolutionize my business you know and here I am sort of like how many however many years on I think it was 2008 that first came out or I first joined and you know like I'm at 56,000 followers now and that was a real instrumental part of doing that so so virtual assistants basically is a way of providing services online so you can either provide the services online as a virtual assistant or you can use and tap into the virtual assistants around the world globally at all different price points doing all different kinds of skills to help you build your own online business. I use a, a number of different either virtual assistants or virtual consultants or contractors for my business. And it really is the way to go, I think, when you want to be the location independent. And I don't know, some people 
say, digital nomad. You know, I prefer the term expat because I actually live in the country. I'm not changing countries every couple of months. But without these types of services, it would be very, very challenging for me to build my business. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat. Yeah, absolutely. And also, it's not just challenging, but think about the amount of time that you would need to invest into kind of learning new skills, figuring things out. And it's so much quicker and easier to just go to the people with the experience who know what they're doing, who are able to actually contribute to your business. You know, and I think, I mean, in the beginning, in the early stages, I was very much like, you know, like I can do everything on my own. I don't need anybody's help, you know, this type of thing. And the moment I started hiring, like I started with my first virtual assistant and I've had in, on my team between 20 and 30 virtual assistants now, you know, and for me, it was like, I wish I'd done it sooner. I wish I wasn't so stubborn <laughs> about, <laughs> oh, I'm going to figure this all out on my own. I wish I'd done it sooner. And, and to have access online virtually in an instant, you know, like all of these people with all of these different skills that you need where you can just fast track, you know, your knowledge and say, you know, like, I need help with this. I need advice on this. What, what shall I do here? What, what would you suggest there? And it's just, it allows you to build a business so much quicker as well. Yeah, absolutely. If you try to learn every single skill that is out there, you know, you're not going to be able to have any time to get anything done. I think as the entrepreneur, as the founder or business owner, your real job at the end of the day is the big picture strategy, like you mentioned earlier, taking a grand view of all aspects and then directing and being able to manage people. Absolutely. Definitely. I, I completely agree. And also, you know, like <laughs> we've touched on the location independent digital nomad thing. And, and really, if you do everything yourself and then you're stuck behind this laptop, you're not actually really enjoying the ability to be in different countries and, you know, like because you're constantly working. So enjoy your time, be location independent, become an expat and, and actually enjoy the, enjoy the location and let other people, you know, like do some stuff in the background for you because it, it's well worth the investment. Absolutely. So any tips or strategies that people should use when trying to hire some of these virtual assistants? Because it, it is a vast field. There are a lot of people out there and it, and it can be a bit of a minefield if you're not careful. Yeah, it can be. I have a few tips. The first thing I would say is that if you can, talk to people online, in groups, ask them if they, they can recommend anyone. Say, you know, like I'm looking for this. Can anyone recommend anyone? I have actually a Facebook group. It, it's nearly 4,000 members in there now and some of them are clients and some of them are virtual assistants. So if somebody is looking for help or support in a particular area, then they'll post and say, can anyone recommend anyone or somebody will put themselves forward and say that they're able to help. So, so social media is a really good place to start and also word of mouth and going to people and seeing if they can actually recommend anyone because, you know, like to have someone recommended, it's, it saves a lot of the hassle of the interview process and things like that. If you don't manage to find someone that way, then you can start looking on websites like Upwork and Freelancer where they have these pools of people with these different skills and you can post a job. So if you're going to post a job, always make sure that your job description is very clear and very detailed and it explains your expectations of the individual. So you're able to kind of filter through the people that, that aren't able to, to meet your expectations to start with. 
And there's always one thing I do because to me it's really important for people to be detail-oriented and read, read instructions. So, so one of the biggest takeaways is if you're going to work with someone online, that one of the skills that is absolutely essential for them to have is to be able to read instructions and communicate really well in the written word. So what I tend to do is when I do my job descriptions, I ask people a question inside job description somewhere. I ask the question and I ask them to respond with the answer to the question when they submit their application or their proposal or whatever it is. So what I tend to do is I look for the people who actually answered the question because you know that they read the entire job description and they were able to see the question and they were able to respond to it in the way that you instructed them inside the job description. So to always kind of implant a question or an action or something that you want them to do in their response back. And then that is also a really good way of filtering through people to make sure that they're able to read instructions and communicate well. And there's one other thing I like to do as well in terms of filtering. And that is um, I tend not to respond to people or I tend not to want to work with people who just call you sir or madam. It's really important that they're able to read your name at the end of the job description and then call you by that name as well in, in their response. And, and that, again, is kind of like a, a communication thing, but it's also to see that they're a real human being and that they're actually responding. Because when you go out there looking for a VA, particularly on these higher sites, a lot of them use these templated sort of responses where they're just replying to every single job and not really looking up what they're applying for. And those tend to be the sir and calling you sir or madam type ones. So those, those are the kind of key, I think, tips. And, you, and if you implement those, you should be able to move forward and, and hire a good VA fairly quickly. Yeah, absolutely. With people just copying and pasting generic answers, you know, you have to be really careful about that thing because sometimes they're not reading the description. They're not reading the nuances and the details of it. And there are, like we mentioned before, a lot of skills out there. So if they're really not specialized in what you need, you know, and you end up hiring them by mistake, you can actually do a lot of damage to your business. You can, yeah. And that's always another good thing when when you do eventually hire, if you do eventually settle on someone, or if you've got maybe two or three people that you're curious about, you're not quite sure which one to hire, always give them a sample test or, you know, like a, a piece of work that, you, you know, like just to sample it first before you go in and do the full hire. Because that, again, is a good indication as to how they work. Just going to take a quick break. Okay, new book is here. It's called Expat Secrets, How to Make Giant Piles of Money, Live Overseas, and Pay Zero Taxes. This book took me seven months to write and publish, and it's a culmination of some of the best stuff I've learned over my 20 years living as an expat. I cut out all the crap and tried to give you the real meat with this book. If you ever wanted to live overseas, or if you are already living overseas and you want to take things to the next level, to legally reduce your tax bill, to live a more international life, and get the best of everything planet Earth has to offer, then you must go to Amazon right now and purchase your copy of Expat Secrets. Pause the episode and go take a look. It's cool. I'll wait. Seriously, you guys are going to love this. Enjoy the book.
I want to switch things up again a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about what you have released. So over the years, it's been a, a real gradual progression. But basically, I have released all digital information products, a program that helps people get started in freelancing. So if they want to have like a basic freelancer business, they're thinking about going into providing services online, they're not quite ready to fully commit yet, or they just want to test the waters, or they just want to get the basics, I have a program called The Freelancer for that. Then on my one sourcing model, I have another program which teaches people how to work in virtual teams. So it teaches people how to be a part of a virtual team, expectations of the person hiring versus you, you being hired, skill sets, how to approach it, how to work in a team, that type of thing. Then I have another program called The Entrepreneur, which is the one where you can actually create more of a virtual business or a virtual company, start hiring virtual assistants yourself, working with those virtual assistants to then service your clients and build your business. Then there is another program called The Consultant. So that's the kind of front end stuff where you, you can either, once you've gained experience, go into consulting. And basically, this is how to offer a consulting service online. Or it's also about doing those initial pre-client consultations before you take them on in your business. So you can do that consulting as a standalone service, or you can do consulting as part of offering services to other people with um, VAs. And then I also have this program, which I'm creating right now, which is the business program. And that's about creating a digital product business from the standpoint of a client who might be then going into set up their systems to create their digital products and then to hire the VAs to support them in that business. And I also do mentorship, um, mentorship and coaching. So I do a lot of one-off workshops. I have a mentorship program where I work one-on-one -on -one with people to help figure out the best, what the best business is for them. Because so many people try to sort of go into more of the cookie cutter style, um, like I'm going to do this service and then I'm going to replicate what this person has done. But really what we need to do is find out what's floats your boat, what makes you tick, what you're going to be really good at, and then how to translate that um, into an online business. And that tends to be what I do more in my mentorship. I also do a lot of focus around mindset. And um, because I think that's, although, although the skills are, are very, very important, the mindset, I would say, is probably more important in your, your entrepreneurial mindset, your approach to business, staying positive, that type of thing. Well, I definitely love to talk to you a little bit about the mindset, but listening to you speak about all the courses, like you've really created a whole academy. So if someone wants to go into a career or even a second career, this is really somewhere where they can go and learn in depth about many of these different aspects of online entrepreneurship and online course taking and course creation and how to build the teams and everything like that. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's why I created this, this whole one sourcing concept because I do actually teach online business from every angle because I work with clients but I also am a client um, so so for me it's taking the approach of working with people virtually from various different angles and offering various different um, services and products as part of that and how to bring that together as a piece of whole choosing the path which is right for you whatever that may be perfect so to go back a second where you did mention the mindset, break that down for me a little bit, what you mean by mindset. 
Okay, so so mindset is definitely, I think, an entrepreneurial trait that you, I mean, for me, it was something that happened and occurred on my journey as I went through. But really, when I started my business, I didn't really understand the concept that I was in control of everything. Okay, and however my mindset was, however my approach was, it always seemed to happen. So if I was particularly worried I would have more things to worry about. Um, if I was particularly concerned about finances, then I would, be, I would <laughs> be given more reasons to be concerned about finances. And then I started looking more into self-development and studying entrepreneurs and looking at people like Tony Robbins and John Asaraf and Jack Canfield and all these kind of people who came out of the woodwork and kind of defined themselves and made themselves and created their businesses out of nothing. And the pattern between all of them was that they said it was mostly to do with their mindset. So when I talk about mindset, I talk, I'm thinking about obviously remaining positive in your business, doing creative visualizations, focusing on goals, um, seeing the big picture, having something to aim for, you know, all of these things. I think we get bogged down too much in the details of oh, what do I need to learn how to do? And, you know, like, you know, like, do I need to learn how to create graphics or do I need? But I think the mindset is the the foundation work because that will help you move forward in the right direction. So, yeah, it's it's visualization. It's about thinking positive. It's about goal setting. It's about having a clear path and moving forward. And instinct and intuition also plays a huge part in this as well. It's about learning to trust your instincts when it comes to your business, when it comes to making decisions in your business and what actions to take. Learning how to trust oneself is um, a very, very important skill to acquire. Well, it is really, really important because this is not like a traditional job where you have a boss and, you know, at the end of the day, there's not much that can go wrong. The worst that will happen really is that you could get fired and you go out there and you get another job. But with entrepreneurship, you have no one else watching over your shoulder. You have no one there to tell you what you're doing is good or is is it bad. You know, you need to be able to judge these things. And, and a lot of it can become very stressful and it can put a lot of pressure on people. So having these types of skills where you can motivate yourself and stay positive and 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 move yourself forwards without that kind of chaperone there to to supervise you. Um, there is a lot to be said for it. There definitely is. And on this is also why I like to work with people who are independent contractors who have their own business as opposed to hiring employees because because they're building their own businesses, it's like the commitment to success is there way more than than when you're working in a job when you're an employee. It's like it's a different level of commitment. It's a different level of passion that that needs to be injected into the business. So I always, I mean, I am an independent contractor myself. I have my own business. I work with clients, but I also hire independent contractors within my business because we all have this similar mindset of, you know, like being driven towards success and to achievement and to, but not just from a financial standpoint, but but from a lifestyle standpoint, you know, like they want to achieve these things to have the lifestyle of their dreams. And when a business is driven by that, as opposed to being driven by, oh, I just want to make some money and I, you know, like I want to put some money in the bank, 
there is a huge shift, I think, in how that business comes together and how it and how it's formulated. And to me, that's where the difference is in the entrepreneurial mindset versus the employee mindset. I think the employee mindset is very much driven towards like money and finances and the bottom line, whereas the entrepreneurial mindset is driven more by ambition and lifestyle and wanting to create something different for yourself, wanting to live a happier life. And and it's a much healthier mindset, I think, to have. No, I agree with you 100% there. Last week, I was on social media, I think it was on Facebook or something like that. And in one of the groups, someone came on and they asked, how do I teach my employees to behave more like owners? And we all laughed, you know, there was must have been a hundred comments on there going like, you can't, like it is not something that you're able to teach other people. That's why I try not to have employees and I, and I do more of your strategy where I work with contractors because they might be doing a service, but at the end of the day, really they're entrepreneurs, they run their own business. So if they don't take care of me as a client, you know, they're going to lose. There's going to be definite repercussions for that. So, you know, working with contractors, working with virtual assistants, working with different types of businesses like B2B, it's really a change, a mindset change, opposed to just going out there and hiring, you know, some university student to go out there and do a job. It's it's very different atmosphere. It's also a lot more creative as well. You know, I think what, a, what a, you know, like we have our left brain and our right brain, you know, and I think when we go into school and we listen to everyone telling us what we've got to do and things like that, it's very much left brain, you know, and we're not taught to be creative. We're taught to follow instructions, you know, like we're taught to take orders and do what you're told and don't question it, you know, like, because this is the way. And I think when, when we have the other side of the spectrum, like where we're given the freedom to come up with ideas and to make suggestions and to have discussions and to brainstorm and, you know, like to think outside of the box. That's a much more creative part of the brain. And I think when you can really activate that in business, you do so much better. Yeah, I agree with that 100% as well. It's interesting you, you bring up about education and about how you develop this creativity. Can you give me any examples? You, you mentioned that you have three children of your own. How do you encourage that type of behavior? Well, first of all, I don't put too much weight on grades and, you know, like this is the most important thing is you've got to get your grades. You've got to do good at school and things like that. I try to encourage my children to focus their attention more on the things that they enjoy doing because you can literally make money out of anything and everything. Okay. So, so for example, my son is very academic and he likes science and he likes mathematics and things like that. So of course, I'm going to encourage him to, to do the things that he enjoys doing in whatever capacity that is. But my daughter, on the other hand, is not like that at all. She struggles academically, but she's amazing with her body physically. She can swim and she can horse ride and she has this real affinity with animals and with children and, and things like that. So, so I think it's really important to identify and recognize your natural gifts that you've been given or your natural talents and, and try and nurture them as opposed to getting too bogged down in the system and the way things should be. Because I know, I know that my, my son will do well at school and he will go on and do whatever he wants to do, become a scientist or the next, you know, like create the next invention that's going to change the world. But I'm just as happy with my daughter um, going to horse riding lessons and learning how to, to 
work with horses or anything like that. And, and I think the most important thing is to recognize that success is not about how many letters you have after your name. It's not about how much money you have in the bank. It's, you measure it by how happy you are and how fulfilled you are in daily life. And, and that's what I, I strive for with my children and myself. Definitely words to live by there. How have your children taken to moving and living in different countries then? Well, a lot of people might think that it's difficult for them to adapt and how do they make friends and things like that. But because they were born into this life, they don't know anything different. And I have three children now. So my eldest is 10, then I've got my nine-year-old, and then I've got a four-year-old. This year she turns four. So they they also have each other, but they've also been so good at developing friendships and not having any prejudice or judgment against other children you know like they play with Arab children they play with French children they play with Italian children they play with Muslims and they play with Christians they play so it's it's kind of been like this melting pot of global citizenship and global acceptance and that's the life that they know and that's the life that they understand and I'm really super proud of them um, they've been in and out of different schools they've adapted very well they speak bilingual um, they're, they're bilingual native Greek-speaking children. So all of their, like, first-year education or first years of education has been in Greek. So they, they also have that skill. And we always sit down and discuss with the children. We, we give them the option, like, how do you feel about travel? How do you feel about moving again? How do you feel about staying? And the answers are always the same, particularly for my older two. They're like, when can we go? We want to go. <laughs> We're bored. <laughs> Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> so, so ironically, you would think that they would be the ones saying, oh, I miss my friends. I want to stay at my school. I want to do, you know, like I want to stay in my house. I want to keep my room because always when we, when we travel and we move, we, we literally get rid of all our stuff. We go back down into a, just a few suitcases. So they, they, they've actually had have good skills in um, letting go of material things in order to have an experience, in order to experience a, a different lifestyle or a different country and things like that. And that's what they value now more than anything else. So it, I guess it's a conditioning in some ways, but it's also their choice. Well, I think that this all ties in so perfectly with our conversation today because I believe that a lot of people out there, they really do have these false belief patterns that say that, you know, you need to go to school your entire life and getting an A plus is the most important thing. Children need stability and they need to have childhood friends that they've known since they were four years old all the way into adults. You know, like, you know, you need to have the white picket fence and the house. That's not true. Like, it's really, it's not true. It's not based on science. It's not based on fact. These are just like false belief patterns that people have come up with somewhere and it just gets regurgitated. It just gets repeated over and over and over again. And I don't believe that it's it's true at all, you know? And I think that you and I and your children and my children, you know, there's lots of living examples out there where it's just not the case yeah and and that is the case for some people you know if if that's what makes them happy that's great but what I tend to find is there are a lot of square pegs trying to be put into to round holes you know Mm -hmm. like because okay well this is a round peg in a round hole and and that's the life I choose for myself and that makes me happy that's great but what about the rest of the world (laughs) you know who, who doesn't agree with that you know and personally being in the Middle East 
a lot of people say to me, why would you want to live in the Middle East? You can live anywhere in the world. Why are you choosing the Middle East? Why are you choosing Egypt? And it's just, just why I feel happy. And I don't, I don't do this to please anybody else. <laughs> I don't do it to, to um, you know, like say, oh, well, I want you to see me or perceive me in a certain way. The most important thing is, is how, I, how I live my life and that I'm happy. And if you don't agree with it, that's awesome. If you do, that's awesome. <laughs> it's all good. Stay in your lane and I'll stay in mine. And I think we, I think just as society in general, particularly in Western culture, we feel like we all have to be following this road, this path, this mainstream, you know, like, and, and sometimes it's actually good to, to not follow the rest of the sheep and do your own thing. And then when you do that, you'll realize, actually, this is what makes me happy, not what those people want. And, and it's fine either way, but... It's important to, to really discover what makes you happy, how you want to live your life and, and try and pursue that instead of trying to pursue this idyllic vision that somehow got created of, of what life should be like. Absolutely. Because, you know, as far as any of us know, this is really the only life that we have, you know. Exactly. So, we don't know, do we? <laughs> like, like, go out there. And this is for my listeners. Go out there. Do the things that you want to do. Find the things that resonate with you. Make yourself happy. This is important. You know, if you don't feel comfortable doing something, if it's not how you want to live your life, then change. You have the power to make choices. And, you know, others are doing it. There are support structures. You know, reach out to me. Reach out to Michelle. I'm sure she would love to hear from you, you know. Yeah, for sure. So it's really interesting about the Middle East because I live in the Middle East as well and I get so much negative backlash about it. And it's really from people who don't know and don't understand. Can you tell me a little bit what your experience in the Middle East is like? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I love the Middle East. I love the culture. I love the people. They're so family-oriented. I love the music. I love the events. There's just... There's just something very magical and also very spiritual, I think, about the Middle East. But it's, it's because of the news and because of the media and because everyone is only showing one side um, to, this, <laughs> to this area of the world. And they're showing it to people inside their homes, outside of the Middle East. And my experience was whenever I say to people, oh, I live in Egypt or I like, because people ask me a lot, where's the best place you've ever been? Where's your favorite place in the world? And I always say the Middle East. I always say I just feel energetically better. I don't know whether it's because of a geographical reason or a spiritual reason or whatever it is. I just feel better here. And, you know, they say to me, oh, but there's bombs going off in Egypt and people are being gunned down and this is happening and this problem is happening and this political issue is going on and things like that. And you say to them, how many times have you been to the Middle East? None. <laughs> never seen it. Never set that foot in it. <laughs> so it's just like, well, how do you know how you feel about somewhere where you've never been there? If you've never experienced it, you've never had life there. And for me, all I, all I can suggest to people is like reserve judgment until you go visit and then, and then see how you feel then. I was actually talking to a VA yesterday on a call and she reached out to me because she lives in Israel, you know, and she's been living in Israel for 10 years. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe there's another VA in the Middle East who, who likes it the way I do, who wants to be here the way I do. And, yeah, so we're going to get together now and we're going to do something 
in Israel together and try and create a little bit more awareness that, you know, like it's not all bad here. It, it's actually a really nice place to live. Not everywhere, of course, but, you know, there are, there are certain parts of the Middle East I wouldn't go to and there are certain parts of central London I wouldn't go to. And there are certain parts of New York I wouldn't go to. So, you know, it, it, there is probably more deaths and murders and things happening in London on a, on a daily basis than there is happening where I live right here in Haggadah. So I just don't think you can judge a book unless you've read it, really. <laughs> don't mm-hmm. judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Well, because a lot of people, you know, they're born in one town or city or county or something like that, and they don't travel out. And they spend their whole lives there thinking that they're right, that this is the great place to live, this is the best place, and, you know, we do things a certain way and the rest of the world is weird. And it's like, that's not the case at all. You know, get out there and travel. Find the places that speak to you. For you, you know, it's Egypt right now, you know. Maybe in a few years it won't be. Maybe you'll want to explore somewhere else. You know, I've been in Abu Dhabi for seven years, and I still love it here. I'm still so thankful and grateful that I get to live in this beautiful country, which is so, so safe, you know, but I'm also shopping for a house in Thailand right now because I also love Thailand, you know, and I have those options to move around and to do different things. And, you know, the world is such a big, big place. Like everyone needs to get out there and and explore and, you know, try not to hold those prejudices that, you know, the way that the one way that they do things or they look at the world is is right you know it's there's what 193 countries my goodness 193 countries i know but it's, it's really interesting what you're saying about you know like how you're in abu dhabi and you love it there and you're still shopping around outside you know and that's kind of what we do though we though i'm using egypt right now as a base you know i am buying a property here and i'm gonna i'm gonna keep this as my base um, that doesn't mean to say I'm not going to go anywhere else, you know, as like I can spend three months in, in Bali and come back again, you know, and, and that's kind of it, the nice thing about this lifestyle is that you decide, you make the decision. If you want to move every three weeks, move every three weeks. If you want to stay somewhere for three months of the year and then go somewhere else for three months or six months of the year, you can do that. And, and I, I think what, what we're so conditioned is like, we have to choose a house and we have to to choose a country and we have to stay there forever and once we've done that there's not you know like the decision is made so everyone's very anxious you know about making the right decisions of where they should live and then they end up choosing the safe option which is usually where they've always been whereas you, you have, nothing is ever set in stone if you if you don't like one country you pack a bag and you go somewhere else and it's really a lot easier than people make it out to be or or believe it to be it's actually very very easy you decide i'm gonna go here you pack a suitcase and you go (laughs) and then you figure out you airbnb then you find a place to rent then you you know like you do whatever it is you've got to do but it's a lot easier than what people think well and a lot of people wonder like i have a lot of self-confidence like i am a very 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 confident person now I equate a lot of that confidence because I honestly believe that you could plot me down on any country on earth and by the time that the sun set, I would have a hot meal in my stomach, I would have a couple of friends, I'd be having a beer and I'd have a roof over my head, you know? But those 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 types of skills that you need to do like to to get those those things, you know, they build that confidence and that's really what you're saying. Pick up your bag and go try it. You will figure things out. You really will. And and that will develop you as a human being. 
For sure. And and that confidence does come when you, you when you step outside of your comfort zone and you make it through to the other side. You know, it's like, okay, well, I did this. I was a little bit scared. I was a little bit apprehensive, but you know, like I'm okay. It's like I did it. And and for me, like leaving the UK at 23 years old and just kind of like dumping everything and and saying, like, I'm getting a one-way ticket, and I don't know what I'm gonna do from from that point, from the point where I land, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And for me, it was like, everyone was like, oh my gosh, you shouldn't do that. You're a young girl on your own, you know, like, and that, and that just gave me more fuel to say like, you know, actually I'm going to be okay. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to do this and everything's going to work out. And I did, and it wasn't without its challenges. You know, it wasn't like being a, a, a young girl traveling and um, it didn't come without its challenges, but everything is, you can figure everything out. Everything is, you can find what you need when you need it you can communicate with people you become a lot more social this way you you become a lot less judgmental as well because you know like people come out of the woodwork to help you that you probably wouldn't have given the time of day to normally because you need that help because you need that support and then you start to think how can I give back how can I support you and in it and it becomes just so nice to to have that mindset and have that like we're all equal we're all the same we're just trying to make it through and survive and you have skills and I have skills and how can we help each other and support each other and that's what travel for sure has done for me it's it's made me a lot more humble it's made me a lot more confident made me a lot more non-judgmental of of people and the way they live their lives and it's really really opened my my heart and my mind to a world of stuff that I had no idea existed when I was living in the UK, going to my nine to five, going through the motions every day. No, that's fantastic. Like they say, travel is the enemy of prejudice and bigotry. You know, once you go out there and you start traveling, those types of misconceptions, you know, they just don't hold up anymore. You know, that a certain country is bad or a certain religion or a certain people, you know, once you actually meet them and you shake their hand and, and you spend time in the country and the culture and the language and the food and all these things, you'll see that people are people, you know, and everyone is trying to get by and everyone wants the same things. We're all trying to be happy, you know, we're all trying to take care of our family and lead an ethical and honest life, you know, and, and travel really highlights these things. And I think that's why I'm so madly in love with, with traveling, you know, and I've dedicated my entire life to it. And it really sounds like you have as well, Michelle. Yeah, for, for sure. It, it completely changed my life. You know, it's, um, there is no real words to express how much more developed I feel as a human being having traveled and it's kind of like an addiction after you start you <laughs> can't stop it's like yeah, guilty there go, yeah you want to go to the next place you know like it's like I um, feel so privileged as well that I am able to do this that we do have this amazing thing called the internet which is allowing you and I to connect right now it's allowing people to make money without having to be in a stuck in a building or an office it's you know like <laughs> the internet is like the most wonderful thing ever because it does allow you to do things like travel and and make money and and work online and yeah so so i think the whole running your own business working online on the internet traveling 
it's just so much more accessible these days than it ever was before. And I just think if you feel that way inclined, you know, some people don't want to leave and they're totally happy where they are. It's fine. But if you have that nudge, that pull, like there's something more out there, that, that there's something else to life, that you're missing something, you'll find it when you travel for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I think that you really highlight these points so well in your own life. You really are living it. You're not just talking about it. You really are living it. So that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I, I always like to lead by example. You know, it's like I, too many people are talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk. So it's like, if I want to help people, if I want to show people how to live a better life, I have to, you have to always start with yourself first. And I think that's a lesson for everybody. You know, like if you if you want to lead by example, if you want to show people you can be happy, you can have the life that you want, you can have the business that you want, do it for yourself. You know, like focus all your energy on yourself and then it will naturally filter out into others. So Michelle, say that we are both traveling around the world and my family is in one Airbnb and we get connected on the internet, you know, we're doing business and, and we find each other and you're in the Airbnb just down the street and we go out for a drink and, and we're chit-chatting and we're talking and, and I lean in and I'm like, Michelle, what's that one secret? What's the, what's the one secret that people need to keep in mind to be successful? What's that one secret? <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish there was just one, <laughs> but if I was, was going to say anything, it would be to truly understand that you create your own reality through your beliefs, through your thoughts, and through your feelings. So whatever it is you believe, whatever it is you think, it's going to be true for you. So choose good thoughts, choose positivity, choose the idea that you create your reality and that you can have and achieve and be anything that you want because you can. I love it. That's brilliant. Michelle, so inspirational. If my listeners, if they want to reach out to you, if they want to find you, where can we send them? My website is www.virtualmissfriday.com. If you want to get free blueprints for all the programs and courses that I've been talking about to get you started, you can go to virtualmissfriday.com forward slash academy. And then you can sign up for all, um, all my free materials and free blueprints. Um, and if you need anything, guys, just email support at virtualmissfriday.com and either myself or somebody on my team will respond to you. If you have any questions, follow-up questions after this, I'm absolutely more than happy to help. Perfect. Such a pleasure to have you on the call today, Michelle. I really appreciate your time. You take care, okay? Thank you. Such a pleasure to be here. Take care, Michelle. Okay, I want to read you the reviews from the back of the book that some massively famous people in the international living space have wrote for me. See if you recognize some of these names, okay? So Gregor Gregerson says... In Expat Secrets, Mikkel elegantly describes the many benefits that accrue to those that choose their country of residence and provides practical and timely tips and examples for doing so. This book is a game changer. Leif Simon says, Having lived and worked overseas for more than a quarter century myself, I've seen expats make every mistake under the sun. Save yourself time and energy and learn from someone who has actually done it. Expat Secrets is the book to get you started in your international journey. Edmund John says, 
Having incorporated hundreds of companies from my clients over the last seven years, this book is very helpful for those that are starting out. And Michael Cobb says, a huge thanks to Mikkel for clearly written, concise description of the international experience as lived by a true globetrotting pioneer. Especially refreshing is the chapter on the benefits of raising kids overseas. As the father of two third culture kids, I can personally assure you that no education expands the mind more than growing up overseas. And my good friend David McKeegan wrote the foreword to this book. But I will let you read that yourself when you go to Amazon today and you purchase your copy of Expat Secrets. Thanks, guys. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time, go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.